Okay, hello everybody, and uh, welcome to a new episode of The Solar Journey. My guest today is Volker Quaschning. Welcome to the show, Volker. Yeah, nice to be here. Yeah, so Volker is a professor for renewable energy systems at the University of Applied Sciences in Berlin, in Germany. And uh, as a professor, he's dedicated to train young people to become skilled professionals in the renewable space. He's also author of several books, all on climate change, renewables and ecology. To the broader public, at least in Germany, he's well known as a YouTuber and host of his own podcast, which he runs together with his wife. Also, he was LinkedIn voice for German speaking countries in 2020. The podcast he's running is called Eine Gute Frage, which means a good question. Um, of course, again, it's all about stopping the climate change. And as you can pick from the title, it is held in German. He's got almost 64,000 subscribers. So everybody, German is to everybody, German is super easy to learn. And you now have one more reason to finally get started. As a nice side effect, your next trip to the Oktoberfest in Munich will be so much more fun. Okay. Um, yeah, Volker, he's also a co-founder of Scientists for Future. Um, Volker studied in Karlsruhe, Germany from 1989 until 1993, which is, by the way, exactly the time when I was at the very same university. But Volker studied electrical engineering. So he's a trained electrical engineer and I studied physics so we never met unfortunately and maybe we, uh, we met at we said because uh, we have uh, the same professors for for mathematics huh? and, and uh, that's that's right yeah um that's right right but it was a big crowd right so I think uh, I, yeah, I can't more, more than 800 people sitting in uh, in the room so yeah difficult to see mm -hmm. yeah so electrical engineering back then, was that your obvious choice? Was there or did you have any alternative? Was it hard for you to decide on which uh, which course yeah. you want to take? So I was very interested in, in technical purposes. So and during that time today, we have a lot of uh, studies you can do. You can study renewable energies. You can study specialist uh, health technology or something like else. Um, during that time, it was only possible to to study mathematics, physics, electrical engineering, mechanical engineering. That was it. And um, so it was a gut decision. So I, I said, okay, it sounds for me during that time, if you're 18, you may have to do this decision. And then I decided, okay, it sounds the most interesting of these uh, um, choices. And then I decided to make electrical engineering. Sure. Did you ever regret it? Was it hard? No, no. It was was very interesting because we know that we need electricity for the energy transition. is is the most uh, important uh, source of of uh, energy, so electricity. And um, so I think it's, it's a good decision to to go there because uh, most of all of our energy we will cover in in future will be electrical energy. So uh, mechanical or, or for uh, or chemical energy will, will not play so an important role. And I think so electrical energy would be a, was a very good choice. Yeah. And uh, when did your interest in uh, yeah sustainability, ecology, climate change, etc. surface? 
was there was there any specific trigger was it before or after you went to university yeah i grew up in the 1980s and during that time we we had some uh big economic crisis as well so for example the, the chernobyl accident uh, on the nuclear power station in ukraine um, that was in in uh, the 80s we have the acid rain and um, the, the forests that they had some some big problems and during that time so yeah we, economic purposes they, they were a big issue and during that time i were interested in uh, Uh, ecological points and um, then i uh, got a report from the german bundestag so they had had uh, a enquete commission um, zum schutz der erdatmosphäre in german um, so to, to for the protection of the earth's atmosphere and um, it was a report in the 80s and all of the things we know today about climate change was written in these reports so that we have problems to uh, with with the drinking water with starvation with uh, that, that that we will yeah we will destroy the life space of 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 billions of people if if we do not stop climate change and mm. Uh, as I read the report, I said, yeah, we have to do anything against this because it, it's the, the, the biggest problem of our of the mankind within the, the, the last decades or centuries or, or millenniums. And um, I, I have studied electrical engineering and uh, I looked what, what are the solutions I can provide. And then it was totally clear. So the, the biggest problem is uh, burning fossil fuels. So... Um, oil gas and coal and so we need other um, ways to use our energy and in the 80s it was totally clear we have to go to 100 renewable power to solar to wind power during that time it was very expensive but i say okay there's no reason why it should not be become a co competitive technology and um, and then i decided to get that go that way because it was totally logical and totally clear that's the only way to stop climate change Yeah, yeah, cool. So, so uh, during your degree, you already choose. Uh, you already have chosen subjects on on uh, clean energy. So I remember there was a professor at the electrical engineering department. I think he was called Schmidt, uh, who uh, was into electrical uh, renewable energy systems. Yeah, he also supervised my uh, diploma thesis during that time. Yes. All right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I took a exam with him yeah, together with professor würfel uh, he was uh, in the physics department yeah that were the first lectures uh, for renewable power so if you if you and uh, go in the 70s or mid of the 80s that there were no option to to uh, go to university and to learn anything for for protection of of the climate or, or for renewable power it started in the 1990s <laughs> and um, since that time I'm working in the field. Yeah. So you might not have only met in the lecture hall for mathematics, but also in uh, Professor Wolfel's uh, lecture hall. Yeah. Could, could be, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool that we finally meet 30 years later. Yeah. So uh, you became a professor um, for renewable energy systems. Um, that's already um, a job that keeps you busy. Uh, but now you're also maybe the most famous German-speaking renewable energy YouTuber and podcast podcaster. When did you feel you can 
and also you should do more than teaching renewables at at university when when was the point when you said hey i need to go public with with the message right yeah i decided to go to the renewable energy field to to save our planet so this was my decision and of course um, the scientific issues are very important for that to make the technology better to make it cheaper and um, i went to a scientific way so i made, made my doctorate in, in using solar power <clears throat> and i tried to go back to university to become a professor and uh, in the 1990s i started to to write also a specialist book but um, then I, I've seen that a lot of people are asking some questions. So they they want to understand what what to do, how these technologies of renewable power work, and there was a lack of information. So um, there were were not so good books. There were no information in internet that's public available. And during that time, I say, okay, there there's a lack of information, and we have to do something to 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 uh, bridge here the the gap and the, the first thing I, I did is to to write a, a popular book renewable power and climate change it's also translated into english but um, I, um i've also uh, i've seen that uh, the internet is is way interesting because it's it's a way easy way for the people to get access to information and mm. then first thing i started to to write information so i have a website as well um, where I uh, where I publish some some common information on on renewable power and some statistics and so on that the people can inform themselves to to have uh, clear facts and not uh, some alternative facts uh, on on these technologies because of course um, a lot of companies or politicians who do not like to to make energy transitions they they uh, they put. Uh, alternative facts into the publicity and um so i think it's a role of of scientific people to 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 make clear and and for any right information based on facts and that's was what i wanted to do and i started with information written in internet and then we had a small project to in, in our university there was small funding for producing some teaching videos five minutes long and then we did it and we made some i think five or six videos and then the project ended it was over so it's at the same time no funding anymore and then we had the videos but what what, what should i do with these videos <laughs> i can show my students of course very interesting but they can see me live so it's no, no uh point that that makes the world better and then i decided okay i have now these videos then i put them into the publicity i started a, a youtube channel and um the interest was very good and this was for me a uh, motivation to make more of these videos and yeah, since that time i'm a youtuber yeah what did it feel like when you suddenly became a let's say public figure um to have your face out there and do people recognize you do you people come up to you and, and talk to you or, is, or are you yeah, still so that sometimes, one, sometimes once a year for example but i'm I'm not so, so popular that uh, all of the people's <laughs> on the street they know me so that's uh that's not no big problem uh, what about the ones who disagree with you um i mean there's positive feedback and there's particularly in that on that subject climate change there's also people who yeah deny the core the, the the aspect and uh, of course yeah 
a lot of people do not want to do climate change because they have to change their life and it's uh, much easier to say we have no climate problem huh? there is yeah. no climate change there yeah. is uh, it's a ridiculous idea to make uh, energy uh, based on uh, only on renewable power so how can you do this <laughs> and um, we have a lot of people um, who are thinking in, in this way they are uh, not going to you personally and say it into your face. So mm. it's, uh, these people are going to the social media. They are uh, creating an account with uh, uh, Peter16500 or something like that. And then they are doing hate speech there. If you yes. look uh, at the social media on uh, the comments, you, you are on YouTube on the comments. So the first uh, point uh, I've blocked more than five or eight hundred people on, on YouTube because uh, there was a so lot, so lot of, of hate speech and um, no uh, it was only hate speech so they uh, not they disargued and say okay I, I do not think it, what you say is right I have other arguments that was no not, not way the people uh, are talking they say you are a fuel you are uh, telling silly things you are a Nazi and so and that's you, only thing you can to to uh, work with that is to to block these people because they are not interested uh, in uh, in a discussion and uh, to to have the better argument. So they only want to to show that you are a fuel, that you are uh, telling silly things because they do not want to to change their life and uh, th their mind. And that's the problem. And this is a big problem. And if you're looking, for example, to Twitter uh, at the moment, what Elon Musk is doing there. So the, the the problem of fake news and of hate speech becomes even more and more a big problem. And uh, our society have to decide how to work on that. But it's not only a problem of me, it's a problem of all people who are working here in the public field. Yeah. yeah. So your, your wife is also a, a co-host of your common podcast. How did that evolve? Yeah, we started our podcast during the Corona time and okay. <laughs> uh, we were at home. We had nothing to do. And then we decided, uh, yeah, we have to do, this was an idea of my wife. They say, let's, let's do something together. And of course, we had a lot of questions because um, people knows me and us and um, they uh, wrote emails and they didn't reach me. Then they wrote an email to my wife and they say, I have a lot of emails with questions. We cannot answer them. So let's make a podcast where we can answer the most important questions. And that's why our podcast uh, is named uh, That's a Good Question. Because uh, the idea was to answer the questions that people have in the field of uh, use of energy, of renewable power, of uh, of climate change. And until now, we did, uh, I think, 32 of uh, uh, 32 podcasts. And uh, it was very, very good. And a lot of people heard this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. There's lots of lots of uh, positive comments in your on your YouTube channel um should make you feel super happy yeah. the, the the production of your videos looks super professional um um i, I get a feel for, for that because i'm uh, in the same business um same hobby um how do you do that do you do that all by yourself or yeah As I started, I, I did this on my own then yeah. um in the first years my, my daughter helped me a little bit 
Yeah. And since one year, I have a little bit, little bit of funding from um, the Protect the Planet Society. They give uh -huh. me some funding so I can pay a professional director for for helping me to produce these videos. Yeah, excellent, wonderful. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it's a lot of work still, right? And I mean, you 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 feel the the purpose in in your work, but still, what what keeps you going? doing podcasts and videos and writing blogs you do you're present on um, on events and also you are a professor what's your personal source of energy to keep you going so that you don't run out of energy yeah. if, if you have understood that that the climate protection is is threatening the, the the future of our children of our grandchildren You have to do anything against that. And uh, at, at the end of my life, I would want to look into the mirror and I want to say, okay, you did everything you can can uh, do for, for that. And um, that's that's my my uh, point. That's my uh, inspiration I, I have because yeah. the problem is, is so big. And um, if you're looking on the scientific reports, if you're looking on the reports, for example, the IPCC, or the Intergovernment Panel on Climate Change, uh, writes every three, four, four years. And if you read the, these reports, and if you see what is coming on the mankind, what is uh, what what will be the future if we do not stop that? So I think uh, it's everything you have to do. Uh, what what I can do, I, I want to do it, and this is uh, the way I think I have the the most uh, or the, the the biggest impact uh, to make videos or to to go to the public. And this is because I decided to do that. Of course, I have my job as as a professor. Uh, I have to do that in parallel, but it, it works. But of course, it's, it took a lot of time, so it's not possible with a 40-hour weeks. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, you're also one of the co-founders of uh, Scientists for Future. Um, what's your role there, and, and how does this organization work? Also, how does Fridays for Future work, and uh, what's the interaction between those four Fridays um, groups? Yeah, these are grassroots organizations. Uh, the idea of a grassroots organization, everybody who is interested can come and work with uh, the, the organization. And uh, we have no big funding. That That's the other problem. So there are no professional people who are working a whole day on, on, on the, the ideas. So there are some ideas, for example, to put, to make some papers or to... to, um, to <clears throat> For example, a public climate school was also an idea that uh, to make some lectures for for in the internet that the people can can look in and to inform the people. So these are the projects that are running at the moment. So if the Fridays for Future, um, if they have ideas and if they need some scientific support, we will also we also give it to to, to them. And uh, yeah, it, it goes on, but uh, it's a grassroots organization and it depends on the people who are were there, who, who uh, bring them in on, on their own, how, how many time they have, what, what, what will happen and, and what can do. Nobody can say what happens uh, within the next 12, 12 months. Yeah. <laughs> We will see. Yeah. So uh, how do you take decisions? Do you, I mean... There's many, many ideas, and in, in general, you're you're looking in the same direction, but then you need to decide, hey, um, we go, we do this event or this event. How do you take decisions? You just take a vote and of the people who are who joined the the event where you take. 
Yeah, want to of course, uh, we have a structure it... where, where the people who are where, uh, put a lot of time inside, they, they, they make some decisions. But if, if there are people who are interesting to make a, a paper or who are interesting to, to make a new uh, information format, of course, nobody will stop them. So yes. um, it depends because it's a, cruise, a grassroots uh, organization and um, yeah, it depends on the people. Who, if there's nobody, we can make some decision, let's make it the, uh, that way. But if, if nobody is there who has time to make it, it, it won't happen. It won't happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, so the way decisions are made is if, if there's people who are interesting to make it, then they do it. Okay. But do you have something like a like a general constitution which says you're not going to do this or that, or is is there a kind of moral compass? Is 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 there anything written down? But at least by now, I mean, I'm sure in the beginning it's pretty informal. But it, as the organization grows and this, um, you, you don't want to get hijacked also by other people. So who, who kind of protects the? I mean, for a company, you would say who put who protects the brand. I mean, who who protects the initial purpose of the of the grassroots organization, or is is that not necessary? At the moment, I think it's not really necessary. Of course, we have uh, organization teams, uh, but it's all more or less for for organization. But um, for example, looking to Fridays for Future. So, um, if if for example, Luisa Neubauer is going to a talk show. Um, she she uh, that didn't talk to all of the people working in the in the Fridays for Future world. What 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 she should say? Of course, she she uh, she says what what uh, she, she thinks it's okay. And it's the same with me or with other people because yeah. uh, um, I think it's it's totally clear. Because if you're looking on on the, the climate uh, scientific reports, it's it's totally clear what what we have to do. So the the guidelines for for climate protection are, are totally clear. And I I think it's it's not really necessary to to uh, say what what you can do. Uh, or what what you can say, the people who are working in the scientific fields, they they know what to say, and I think it works. Phenomenal, cool. Um, when you work in a let's say hierarchical company, um, and uh, compare that with such a, a grassroots organization, it's it's interesting that those that these two very different types of structures. Uh, both work and that a, even that a grassroots organization works so well, right? Because the impact the X for Future um, teams have is, is phenomenal. Yeah, really cool. Um, you have so many work streams. You're a professor, a scientist, a podcaster, a speaker, an author. You're a scientist for future. What's your management trick to handle all these different work streams? Or you don't? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, uh, it's not possible. You need time for that so of course uh, you have not a, a 35 hours weeks or, or something like that um, you but you must be organized very well um, there are some overlap over the the subjects huh? it's also the same subject so what i i tell my my students is uh, the same subject what i i what, what i'm telling in in the video and the podcast it's only a other way of transportation the information Mm -hmm. And um, that makes it easier. So everything I have to say, I have a mind. So um, I only have to think how to 
to transport the information. So how can I tell it my students that they uh, understand it? How can I tell it to people who are looking uh, YouTube? It's a different community. And um, it's only to switch how, how to transport the information. That's that's a different point. The But the, the basics, the, the, the knowledge uh, I need for that, it's the same for, for all of these point of views. Yeah, yeah. And, and still, let me uh, uh, allow me to dig deeper. Do, so you just have long to-do lists, or what? What's your let's say really? How, how do you organize your ideas, your to-dos, and um, for these different work streams? Yeah, or of is course, it just all in your in your head. You, you just don't forget stuff. Yes, uh, of course. I you, you I have a lot of ideas, and uh, it depends on the time I have for that. So I have yeah. ideas for videos, for example. By my my, my last big video on, on YouTube, it was on wind power. We took a lot of time for that. I think we we need more or less one week to to uh, produce the video because we have to 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 drive to the wind power stations and. Uh, then uh, it was no wind, then uh, the wind power station didn't move, <laughs> they have to come again and so on. And it takes a lot of time and uh, it's only possible to do do one one video per year uh, in, in that uh, point of view. We have the small videos that are uh, easier to, to, to make and uh, can do much faster. And then it depends how, how much time you have. I have a lot of ideas. So if the week uh, have 300 hours, we will produce much more and much more ideas but um, of course I have the job as a professor so I have to do my job that's that's important and then I have some hours per week we, I can spend in these activities and then um, I have to decide okay what subject uh, what subject is interesting and how can I make these uh, in the, the most efficient way or how I can transport this in the most efficient way yeah Excellent. Yeah, so um, climate crisis is only one of the nine big issues we face. Um, the authors of uh, the, the others are biosphere integrity, freshwater change, zone depletion of the stratosphere and uh, ocean acidification, which is pretty scary. I read something about it the other day. Then there's a biochemi biochemical flows and then novel entities like uh, the chemicals and deforestation and aerosol loading of the atmosphere. So it's pretty severe. And uh, I just saw the, a graph the other day where climate change is not even the worst of all these threats. So when you look at that, that it's pretty uh, mind boggling, scary, and um, you do get um, desperate about it. At the same time, why do you think and, and, but mankind doesn't really change or changes at least very slowly when you look at the on a global scale right there's always pockets where you know people are super pro and uh co2 footprint is minimized even in the let's say civilized heavily industrialized world so but but on a on a global scale why do you think it's so hard for mankind to switch to a sustainable lifestyle even though we know know it all um is it just not in our genes to run on little energy uh, we we crave for yeah energy consumptions we eat too much we spend we, we burn too much energy we love to be super in a super comfortable uh, seat um as a species do we really need to face war or death before we be before we change direction 
Um, it's because it, it, to me it seems we cannot do that just by looking at the the rational facts. Um, I mean, now with the Ukrainian war, it, it seems there's another push. We might get to the next level, which is required to to switch to to renewables. Because we see other positive effects of renewable energy. What, what's your do, do we have finally reached kind of the tipping point to switch to renewables really really fast and uh, with all in with all consequences? That's yeah. a long prologue, but uh, yeah. Our society is is very difficult because um, economic growth is is one of the most important points we we are focusing on. Uh, but uh, if the economic growth is less than two percent, so the policy the policy get oh, problem. The economic growth is not big enough for our society, and um, the 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 question is is economic growth growth um, the the most important thing we have on earth? Of course not. So um, the most important thing is that the people are satisfied, that the people have a, a happy life. That's more important than, than economic growth. And money is not the only thing in life. So, of course, money makes some some points in, 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 the, in the life easier. But uh, we have to focus on these other other things. What what uses life if, if the, the forest is dead, for example? So with yeah. all money uh, you have, you can cannot bring life again to to a desert, or it's very easy. It's, it's so expensive that it's we cannot afford that. And for that, um, we have to change our ideas, and we have to change uh, what we have learned within the last decades. And that's I think very very important. But it's it's of of course difficult because if you have learned uh, for 30, 40, 50 years that ec economic growth is is a most important thing everything everybody has to to work on that and it's not easier to to, to say uh, okay we have to change our lifestyle and maybe we will have a better world if you're lo not looking on money but uh, we do not know so the people are afraid oh if you're not looking on economic growth maybe our life will be worse uh, not, not as good as anymore could be but um if you're looking what we are destroying with uh, the way we are living with the the uh, focus on on only on the economy uh, then we will see that in one or two decades uh, all money we will have will not uh, be able to to solve the problems and um, the people only start uh, to act if they have uh, if if they see the problems uh, we have talked about climate change since the 1970s so mm. it was totally clear that we have problems with, with climate change but uh, we needed the 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 high summers the, the summer with the high temperatures with the droughts here in, in in europe with the lack of drinking water that the people understand okay it's a problem that eff affects me personally it's not only written in a report it's real and um, the people of should be that they, they must see the problem otherwise they are not able to act and uh, we have now another point you have, have talked about the ukraine war it's a very very terrific war in in europe we, we couldn't imagine that it will happen again but it happens and um, this this uh, terrible war has also effect on the economy uh, eco uh, economy and on the prices for energy 
So we have now way high prices for, for electricity or for gas, for natural gas in Germany. And these prices, of course, makes it easier to, to make the energy transition because now solar power or wind power is, is the cheapest energy. And we hope that this will speed up the energy transition in a way we need for climate protection. Mm. Yeah. yeah. But hopefully we are now finally on the right path. Yeah. Um, let's move to more, let's say, technical and uh, economic aspects. Um, you're also an expert for, for storage of renewable energy. I mean, you, you developed your own uh, report on the quality of home storage systems. Um, what do you think will be the, the additional storage technology next to the, to the lithium-ion route? Yeah, there's not only one storage solution we will have and it will solve our problems because we know that um, the technologies we have to use in future, this are solar power and wind power and both technologies are fluctuating technologies. So sometimes we have energy, sometimes not. It's, it's true. We know this. A lot of people claim that it's not possible to make a renewable uh, energy supply uh, that works with these technologies. Uh, a lot of studies say it works, but we have, of course, we need storage technologies. And that there's not no only one storage technology. So the battery, of course, we, we will need some batteries they put in single homes or at utilities. But also, um, for example, car batteries are very interesting. At the moment, we have only less than 1 million battery cars in Germany. But imagine if we have 10 or 20 million battery cars. So the battery capacity then is, is so high that the car batteries can uh, run our electricity system a whole night long. And we know in future when we need the cars. So there's a... There's a link from the car to our schedule and the car knows, okay, tomorrow I have to run 100 kilometers. So then, uh, of course, half of the battery we, we can uh, use for the for the energy system. And you can earn some money with that. And um, for that, I think it's a very interesting point because uh, with the car batteries in 10 years, we can uh, cover the storage demand for several hours. Of course, we need some additional storage technologies. For example, we know that we use solar power and wind power also for heating purposes. Then it's, of course, a good idea to use heat storage because heat storage is cheaper than electricity storage. And um, if we have excess electricity from solar and wind power, we uh, heat up a heating storage system. For example, in Berlin, we have a very new heat storage that's a very big one, so more than 40 meters high. Hot water, we can store uh, here the heat demand for hundreds of thousands of people for several hours. And if we have excess electricity from solar and wind power, we heat up the heat storage. And if there's a lack of electricity, we cover the heat demand from the heat storage. So it's a second point. And the third point would be a gas storage. We have in Germany, well, we are looking on the gas storage uh, systems we have here in, in Germany. We have to fill them with natural gas to get to become over the winter. And um, we know that in 10, 15 years, we are not allowed to use natural gas anymore. So these gas storage systems, they are free. And then we can, of course, we can use excess electricity from solar and wind power 
and to produce uh, green hydrogen from that. And then we can store the hydrogen in the existing gas storage uh, systems. And if there's a lack of electricity, we can use the hydrogen, produce electricity, and then we have a safe and reliable energy supply. Mm. Excellent. Thanks. Um, what, what can you, I mean, there's lots of discussion about the lithium batteries, about the sustainability um, of that technology. Um, you own a Tesla yourself. At least I saw you driving one in one of your videos. Um, <laughs> why did you go for a battery powered car versus a fuel cell car runs on, which runs on uh, uh, um, hydrogen? What's your take? Will you maybe change to a fuel cell car in, in the future? Or do you think... Um, uh, no, also a uh, fuel cell car is not a good idea. Tesla, as well as no, is also a, a problem now. If you're looking uh, on the way Elon Musk develops, so um, yeah, climate change, yeah, it's a marketing gag for him, but he, he does not really uh, uh, think that it's possible that it's, it's a problem that they have to solve. So um, maybe other car companies are better than Tesla. But we know that the battery car is the most efficient way for uh, covering uh, the, the if, if you want to have a car, for example, um, you have to talk about cars uh, in the first no, step. Yeah. <laughs> so the cast is uh, a, a car is a not very efficient way for the transportation. It's better to use public transportation systems or bicycles or something like that. But um, of course, we need some cars uh, in 10 or 20 years. Uh, we, we won't have a, a world without cars. And if, if we want to have a car, um, then we know that uh, if you're going to a fuel cell, you have to produce the hydrogen. And the production of hydrogen there are some efficiencies in the systems and they are very low for the hydrogen production and they have a lot of losses. And if you want to run a hydrogen car, you need more than double or triple of the electricity to run a battery car. So of, of course you have to um, install these systems. So um, a fuel cell car is also a electric car. The people that do not know or do not understand this. You have also the the electric motor you have also a battery inside a fuel cell car it's only smaller than a, than a conventional battery car you have a hydrogen storage so the fuel cell car is more complicated and running a fuel cell car needs more energy we need more wind power station more more solar power stations so the fuel cell car is not a better option it's even worse so if you say car itself is a problem, you have to decide to sell your car and to use public transportation. That's the only option. And a fuel cell car is not better than a battery car. Yeah. Yeah. Still, there, there's quite a hype about hydrogen. Um, what, what's your take on that? Where do you, you mentioned earlier hydrogen will be a source to uh, for seasonal um, storage. So to go from, to take... Yeah. We need hydrogen from summer to winter, but yeah. but to me it seems there's too much hype about hydrogen, and I wonder where that comes from. Right? Yeah, that's, that's true. not the key question because yeah. it's about to, to, all totally about true. building solar and wind farms, right? It's not necessarily about hydrogen, right? And uh, I have my thoughts on this, but I would like to understand what your thoughts are. It's totally true. So if you look how to become carbon dioxide free, we know that there are some um, sectors where we need hydrogen. For example, it's not possible to produce steel without carbon dioxide emissions if you do not use green hydrogen. 
So it's not possible to produce some chemical products without hydrogen if you want to make it carbon dioxide free. So if you're looking on the long term storage, I've, I've talked before, we also need hydrogen. But if, if you're looking on the car, for example, so a car is a very inefficient way if you're going to hydrogen to use energy. Also for heating purposes, for example, a burning hydrogen in, in the heating system is, is a very silly way to, to use energy because we have there a very more efficient systems, this electrical heat pump. So it's three or four times more efficient than uh, a gas heating system. So, and uh, we have to save energy and then we have to use in the fields where we have alternatives, there we have to use the more efficient technologies. For example, <clears throat> in the in the heating purposes, the heat pump, uh, if you're going to transportation sector, of course, the battery car is better. And uh, in these fields, hydrogen does not make sense anymore because we need so much energy to produce the hydrogen. If you're looking to, to the other fields, for example, uh, uh, the, the steel production, or for example, uh, if you're going to, to the flight to the airplanes, to running an airplane climate compatible within the next two or three decades will be only possible with hydrogen. In that field, we need it, but um, we have to keep in mind that will also will bring the costs to a higher level. So. Running an airplane with green hydrogen will double the cost for the flight. And um, that, for me, it's no problem. I think uh, flights are too cheap. They, uh, we see not in the costs the problems we, we uh, produce here using an airplane. So the double of the cost will make uh, the way we use the airplanes uh, in, a, in a better way because we, we think more about uh, if it does make sense to, to make a flight. And but um, of course, hydrogen make it expensive, and hydrogen uh, needs a lot of energy to produce. And due to that, we have to focus hydrogen hydrogen on these sectors where we have no alternative. Hmm. So talking about uh, flying uh, and uh, hydrogen, will it be hydrogen or some other e fuel like uh, yeah, even kerosene uh, produced from. From hydrogen but also so also yeah. by solar power so if you're looking in a very long time so 50 yeah. or 100 years of course the the airplanes will be totally different from these we are using today so yeah. maybe then we will some have some electric airplanes or uh, or or hydrogen but at the moment we have airplanes they are running with with kerosene and if you uh, if a, a air company is buying a new airplane it, it will uh, fly 30 or 40 years uh, through the air and um, for the existing airplanes, the only option is to make e-fuels, so to produce green hydrogen. And from this green hydrogen, we can uh, produce green kerosene, but it's expensive. It will be uh, very expensive. So the, yeah. the cost for um, using an airplane will double. And uh, for that, it's, it's very important that the policy, uh, the policy says, okay, uh, for example, in Europe, it's not allowed to run... Uh, uh, airplane with conventional kerosene with fossil fuels anymore uh, within the next five or ten years because this will destroy our all our efforts here we are doing for climate protection hmm. yeah so uh will you be able to fly from berlin to say um vancouver without flying flight shame during your life I stopped using the airplane three or four years ago, so yeah. I'm not flying anymore. 
so I think this is a very good decision because every time I use the the airplane also for for business flights, um, yeah, I I have a fight in my own. So I think. Uh, yeah. You're you're going to a conference, making a, a lecture there, and uh, for that lecture, you you spend five, six, eight tons of carbon dioxide. So it's, yeah. it's ridiculous how, how high is the carbon dioxide emission only for one flight. Yeah. So you're doing in, in your life, you're you're thinking, oh, how to separate waste, how to. Uh, stop eating a little <laughs> bit lower meat, and then you're you're using an airplane, and only in in half an hour oh, you have destroyed all your carbon dioxide balance you have. And uh, for me, it's no option anymore. You yeah. you can do it with video communication. You can make a phone call. I have not to go anymore. It's my my decision. Um, it's not not able for everybody, but um, since we have climate neutral uh until we have climate neutral flights i will not use the, the the airplane anymore and i'm afraid that will be need 30 40 years that uh, the air companies will um, stop or slow down the development for for clean uh kerosene because um of course if the the flight will be more expensive they can sell a lower number of flights and uh, this will be a big fight in the, in the air community. And for that, I think uh, we have to stay on ground. Yeah. So 30 to 40 years it will take. That means uh, the both of us will never... Well, I'm afraid it will be possible in 10. But um, if you're looking to our <laughs> companies and our policy, I'm not uh, convinced that will uh, that they use or that will bring the technologies in 10 years to all of the airplanes, uh, even if you're looking on the costs. Yeah. 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 Um, thanks for that. So my final question, Volker. Um, so when you look at the, the total picture, um, renewables, etc. And uh, what do you think is required to take solar, the renewable, the, the climate change actions, um, wind power application, storage, etc.? What is it required to take it to the next level to really roll out the technology faster to change mindset faster? I do not think that we need a next level because uh, if you're looking to solar power and, and to wind power and if you're looking to the prices, as uh, I started um, in, to work in the solar field in the 1990s, during that time we paid more more than two euro for a kilowatt hour of solar electricity. Today, we can do it for five cents per kilowatt hour. So the prices went down significantly. And um, solar power and wind power is the cheapest technology, except if there are high subsidies for fossil fuels. For example, uh, yeah, what we're doing at the moment in Germany, we have the high prices and um, the what what is doing uh, what our policy is doing is now is giving very high subsidies for, for natural gas. So we, we spend more than 50 billion euros next year to, to, to make subsidies for the fossil fuel sector. And um, this is, is, of course, not the right way to, to, to speed up the, the, the system. Um, the International Energy Agency, they um, every year they, they count how much subsidies we have in, in the fossil fuel sector. And um, the it's a really ridiculous number, more than 5,000 uh, 
billion euros every year is going on subsidies on the fossil fuel sector. Um, so we only have to stop these stop these subsidies, and then we will have an energy transition because solar wind power combined combination with, with storage make a reliable energy supply, and it's the cheapest way and also clean. And um, so we have to work to stop the subsidies for fossil fuel, and then we did our homework. So the renewable power we can make that better. We can even a little bit more cheaper but this is the cheapest technology right now and so we have to use it and we have to make it easy to use it and we have to stop the subsidies and then it will be no problem to protect our planet wonderful closing line stop the subsidies volker thanks a lot for joining the solar journey today all the best for your future work thanks a lot thank you for the invitation